it's really about being with the right person and mm. i think that's true of all relationships right. like if you're right. a straight person and you're in a relationship a committed long term relationship it's not like you're suddenly attracted to every other man in the planet because you're a woman and you're a straight woman right and if you're a lesbian doesn't mean five other women you meet you're attracted to them so i think where i am today like with afsra is i don't know whether you call it lesbian or straight or gay it's more like i'm in this committed relationship and i'm happy nothing distracts me at this point and i think that's the endorsement for a, a solid relationship mm-hmm. and it's really not about uh, you know if a really hot woman comes around am i going to be running behind her no if a hot guy comes around mm-hmm. i'm not running behind so i don't you know it's sort of okay but that, just to say she did say <laughs> that you know uh, she did say hey i'm 100% heterosexual i couldn't be attracted to other women because i wasn't she wasn't <laughs> and she i told her i said you don't know i this is these are the exact words i said you never know welcome to gladiatrix i am woman and hear me roar i'm your host malani sarma every week I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, My new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. You can reach me on Instagram at Malani Sarma, on my website malanisarma.com or on Facebook at Malani Sarma. M A L I N I S A R M A In today's episode we're speaking with Jay and Apsara Jay and Apsara were both born and raised in India in traditional South Indian Tamil Brahmin households They grew up went to college got jobs and got married to their husbands not realizing that something was missing It was only when they met each other did they recognize that missing piece. At a time when homosexuality in India was considered illegal, Jay and Apsara had to figure out a way to make it work. Today, they live in San Francisco and are busy raising their 10-year-old twin boys while they're managing busy schedules between their jobs and parenthood. And this is their story. Hi Jay, hi Apsara. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to hear your journey and I'm sure there's a whole lot of people out there who want to hear it too. So thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for thinking of us and including us. Yeah, thanks Malani. Happy to share it. Yeah, glad to be a part of the show. Oh, thank you so much. So let, let me um, you know, let's d- dive right in. So today You guys have been together for almost what, 19 years, you know, and you got mm-hmm. careers, you're raising twin boys. But growing up, you both went through, you know, both of you are from uh, from Chennai in India and you went through typical, you know, childhood like most of us do with Indian parents who have 
very you know set expectations on what they um, want from us and how we're brought up and you know the exposures that we've had so tell me a little bit about your experience growing up you know you had siblings and you know what did you want to do when you grew up and Jay you want to start sure so I I have two siblings I have an older sister and a younger brother and um, I mean childhood was fantastic like we had a great childhood um, parents were very committed my father worked my mother uh, was a housewife so typical, uh, you know, Indian patriarchal household. Um, never questioned it much. Like my dad called most of the shots. My mom ran the house. Um, smooth, well-oiled machine. We traveled quite a bit with my dad's job. Um, so from a schooling and career standpoint, I mean, you know, sort of a college standpoint, moved around quite a bit. Um, that got us thinking out of the box, like changing, adapting quickly. Um, so, you know, all three of us, I would say, fairly confident um, to, to handle change. And so that was sort of my background. Childhood was, was great, but no deep, long lasting, um, you know, friendships, if you think about it, like because we moved. The, this is the pre-internet days, mm -hmm. so no texting, no calls. <laughs> so we would write letters. But, you know, it was it was a great childhood. What about you, Apsha? Um, you know, uh, similar kind of thing. I mean, um, so I'm uh, the eldest of three siblings. Uh, we grew up in Mailapur Agraharam, which mm -hmm. is, you know, as uh, you've heard the word Tambram and a Brahmin colony, that's what we were. Uh, I grew up in an extended family. So my grandparents were with me. I grew up with them. Uh, again, an amazing childhood, right? Um, it, we were in the same place pretty much our whole life growing up. Uh, and so it was just an, I mean, it was a very simple, typical, uh, you know, Brahmin family and with all the same cultures and everything. And we had a fantastic time because we had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. And uh, we went to the same school pretty much from kindergarten all the way to uh, our, you know, till we passed high school. And so most of my close friends still are from that school, right? So it's, it's, it was amazing, um, right? And uh, Appa and Amma were, uh, you know, Appa was actually, you know, even though he was in that, you know, Agraharam household, he was always a little bit more forward thinking, I should say. He always thought that, uh, you know, uh, rules are meant to be broken kind of a thing. Uh, and so he always, uh, always thought that, you know, uh, it, there was never a question of, oh, you're a girl child, so we're going to treat you differently from my youngest is my youngest sibling is, is a boy, right? My brother. So he never thought that, uh, you know, the girls, his first two girls should be treated any differently from the boys. So right from the start, he always said, no, I want my daughters. He had all these ambitions and he always kind of pushed us to uh, challenge status quo. Right. So that was him. So I think I have a little bit of that in me. Uh, my mom was, you know, just a, an amazing. She herself was a very smart individual right herself. And I think she was a housewife or a homemaker. Um, just because that's kind of what the, you know, that's how things were at that time. Um, but I think it really helped because, you know, um, the three of us had a fantastic, you know, household growing up. And I had the extended, like, the benefit of luxury, I should say, of growing up with grandparents um, who treated us like royalty. So even though, you know, we had modest, you know, means and stuff like that, I think I never felt it. I felt mm -hmm. like I was the richest person on the planet. So mm -hmm. I, I can't say enough about my childhood. I would... I would go back and relive that same childhood in a heartbeat. So just to kind of. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. No, I can totally relate, you know? Yeah. So I know, I think those are some of the happiest times. You had no, no worries. What did you have to think about, right? You all have to think about climbing trees and having fun. And, you know, somebody's there to make sure that all your favorite foods are there and you have, a, you know, summer vacation and all that kind of thing. Right. So. 
Yeah. Also, maybe Mali, I should, since you talked about climbing trees, I should probably tell you this also about my childhood. So my mom's side of the family, my dad's a single child. So, you know, my dad's side, we knew only a little bit, right? But my mom's uh, mom has extended like her siblings and stuff and cousins. And we are super tight with our cousins, right? So we all, all of our holidays were meeting in my, the other side, my grandparents' house or in my uncle uncle's house or something. But we were all together all the time, our cousins. So Again, to us, just like I said about the friends in school and stuff, the cousins too, we're all from the same, you know, we all met every time. So yeah, cannot say enough about our fantastic childhood. Just, yeah, just I think, great, and great I miss that. I miss that, you know, um, that what we had before when we were younger, having that closeness with the extended family. I think my kids, I know, miss that a lot. So like growing that, yeah. up, I mean, you know, um, like you said, your parents are very forward thinking. And I think those days it was pretty much, uh, a, a given like you would have certain paths you know of what you could study and what you couldn't study or what was recommended based on you know your parents education and what was out there so did you guys have like I mean like you know like uh, Jay you were saying your dad pretty much called the shots on a lot of things was it kind of uh, de design designed that okay you know you're gonna you're gonna do engineering or you're gonna do math you're good in math so this is what you're gonna do and you looked up to them those are your role models how did how did all of that you know how did that pan out sure so um i want to say like we are both from like the tamgram which is like your you know scholar society if you look at the caste system um so parents are pretty well educated education was always like supreme like when you think about kids growing up here they're doing 300 things and excelling and wanting to excel in all of them mm -hmm. um we grew up you know, doing a lot of things, but academics was sort of like the big focus. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I want to say like for me, it was always like that was a focus. I was fairly gifted. Like, so school was not difficult, did well. Like we traveled quite a bit, math and, you know, English, the typical, uh, you know, core subjects were always like top, top marks. You know, you lost a point here, you were lost a point there. Parents are always saying, why did you get 99 mm -hmm. out of 100 and not 100? Mm -hmm. um, I remember getting into like this big argument with my dad saying, I didn't want to get 100 because then you'll expect the bar is set so high, then 99 doesn't look good enough. And I remember getting yelled at so much for that. So that's sort of the, 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 the playing field. Like we had to do well in school. Mm -hmm. There's no question of not going to college or not getting a master's. So that, that was laid very uh, deeply in our brain. So all of us, like all three siblings, we all did um, well at school, did college. Um, I have two master's degrees. My sister has uh, one master's and a bunch of other things that she did. Brothers, the same. So that's sort of how we work. From a career standpoint, it's not like he wanted us like for professional training. I wanted to be a doctor early on. But somehow, like my dad's side of the family didn't think, like my grandmom didn't think that um, being a doctor was good because superstitiously every doctor's household apparently has like a sick patient. So this is like, you know, and my grandmother's not the most educated or exposed mm -hmm. individual, but that sort of laid the ground rules. So they kept saying, oh, you're really good in math and, you know, you should pursue math and you should do whatever. So, I mean, I think I'd have been a fantastic doctor. But that was like derailed so early. Now, when I look back and we're doing these things with our kids, I feel like maybe somebody should have picked up on the fact that I was, you know, I had so much patience. I was detail oriented. <laughs> so many things that I can think of. But, um, you know, long story short, I did MBA. I, I have a double MBA. 
am pretty well settled now in career wise not unhappy like i i think i'm fairly smart to do the job that i do um, but i think i could have been a doctor to your point you know i didn't even realize it was being what about you apps um okay i i have to say i snickered when she said i have a lot of patience okay <laughs> just putting it up <laughs> well i do think she would have been an amazing doctor but anyway going to me uh, um i think again very similar sort of raised, uh, upbringing right so being uh, you know part of the you know family and brahmin culture you don't know anything else other than education right so right, that right. was non negotiable you know mm-hmm. i think the fact that you do get decent grades in your in your school uh and uh, you know as you go into college and things like that i think that was sort of a non negotiable now but having said that um i must tell you that the school that i went to um right was also comprised of similar kind of profiles of uh, it was a all girls school so all the other girls were also very similar right in their backgrounds and so i think leave my parents alone i mean they they gave us pressure i mean they frankly just wanted to see the grades there wasn't that much more uh, that they did but you know i can tell you my school put enormous pressure they were like okay all of you need to be a certain way right all of you need to get a certain grade because it, it was there was a lot and and we really appreciated because i think early on it gave us a sense of you know priorities um it also gave us a sense of bonding like i said in my school i don't know what i learned in school but i do know that i learned friendship right and i learned uh, you know that it's uh, that these deep rooted sort of friendships came from there right so i think our school did something right you know that's what i can say now going to my household i don't think there was pressure to be a certain anything you know i think it was just back then there were really just three main disciplines right you were either you go into science uh, you know um, what's that commerce or arts right those were the three when you got to the high school right so the mm-hmm. your 11th and 12th grade so i went into science no thought just because i had a you know i was i got good grades in science and in that particular time and nothing else no other thought process then i went into engineering because again my marks kind of let me there I, i thought for a brief moment i wanted to be a doctor but frankly i don't think i have the i have it in me to be a doctor at all <laughs> you know she, she's needle phobic and yeah things started she sees blood i don't know <laughs> yeah so i don't know because people were saying because again i don't think there's a question of people even guiding you to hey what you're good at kind of a thing right so i was like everybody said doctor so i was like oh i want to be a doctor and while i you know was fainting when i saw when i was doing the dissection <laughs> of a frog you know so that would have been a bad yeah, choice bad but anyway choice. i yeah i went on to become an engineer and then i came here for my masters right so i think all through there was no objection to what i wanted to do i think that was pretty much just uh, the path I, i don't think it's them saying as much as those were the only opportunities back then mm-hmm. um i think just from a i think from a personal standpoint you know um, one thing that they believed uh, at least both of them believed in is every summer um you know we had to learn a new skill right all three of us and so every summer it would be something as mundane as say hey, you know i'm learning to play the violin or i'm learning some new skill right like all learning to swim right so it would be every summer they would do that and one thing that i think i was good in sports and i always loved sports so my dad always said that i was the son that you know he would have wanted to have right because my brother couldn't be bothered about sports right <laughs> i am the sporty one i am like up out there and i would play for school and everything right school college so he i actually did one uh, term like one summer 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 so those two two or three months right summer in india i went on to do a cricket camp so it was a very like hardcore cricket camp and uh, so i actually ended up 
like you know uh, i mean i i wanted to be like a cricket player and all that but you know mean in, in india you don't have those opportunities right it's mm-hmm. something you're good at but it doesn't go anywhere so yeah, it doesn't, I mean, doesn't feed you. you it doesn't put food on the table so what's the point exactly. right it's yeah. a point and yeah. i don't think it, it was even there i just don't think those opportunities exist especially for women's cricket right mm-hmm. um i so i i was pretty good but that was like something odd that my dad was so proud like oh she's doing cricket and because he was all of that and so those kind of things just to say but yeah that, this yeah i don't think there was a planned move to where we are today from a kid standpoint so from uh, you know growing up in a very typical tambram orthodox um family you know the expectations like you know like you said education is usually you know engineering or a doctor or um you know you're a cpa or what they call a ca or whatever and then your expectations okay and then you're going to get married and you're going to look for boys is that how you guys also because i know i went through that is that how you guys also went through that path or it was kind of like you were calling the shots okay dad i got to work a little bit i got to make some money before you look for somebody was that kind of like that or they were like nope we're already start you already got a job now we have to look or you're graduating college so no we have to look for somebody was that how it was for you guys so my household wasn't orthodox um we we traveled quite a bit my parents were quite evolved like they had a love marriage which is you know quite unheard of Not back in their time mm-hmm. in the 60s so they met when they were um they worked together so my dad was my dad uh, my mom was my dad's secretary okay and that's how they met and they dated for 5 years wow which, which is quite a long time right if mm-hmm. you think about it because they were in coimbatore which is a small town and my mom's uh, side of the family my grandfather was extremely like he was a headmaster of a school very um, well read he had no rules like he had very um, broad minded thinking so my mom never felt any pressure from her side so she waited my dad was waiting for his sister to get married because you know back then like right. love marriage would be a big black spot on their family mm-hmm. so he wanted to get his younger sister married off and then marry my mom so they dated for 5 years they set up a house and everything even before they um, got married so they were pretty progressive and they got married pretty late so for us the marriage was never a pressure like we all had to study we all had to work um and make something out of ourselves and that was the big um i mean if there was a push but it was very nicely done i would say like my sister to to the career point like my sister got into ca she was trying to do to you know learn to be a cpa that really wasn't her calling my dad was a ca and she was the first child and she really didn't know what to do with herself so they put her in that uh, you know cpa route and she hated it and so she said she wants to get married to it was the reverse pressure so my dad was just not in favor of it he said no you're going to finish your cpa and then like think about marriage we wouldn't look for grooms for you then she had to beg my mom to start looking and then then my mom found like the guy she's married to today my brother in law was really uh, like my mom had like put a matrimonial ad in the paper for an arranged marriage and that's how they met i mean they met and they liked each other and that's why they um, agreed to get married so there was no pressure but my dad wasn't even in on the game at that time like he didn't want for us to you know as girls get married and get settled down so from that sense it wasn't um, it wasn't like an orthodox or a traditional okay. push to get married but more you know to sort of get us independent and So is that what happened is that you know you had to wait until you like had a job and stuff before in in your case before your dad was okay with it or how did that work for you 
so i didn't have an arranged marriage so, so the the personal like the um, you know uh, mm-hmm. side of the story is quite different so i was working and i met somebody like a guy um and i wanted to marry him so he was a good friend and something else was not going right in my life and you know it was sort of a low point and he was interested um and i thought oh you know maybe worth giving it a try and he was a really good friend but i my mistake like i shouldn't have married him but i did um and my dad wasn't in favor of it like he wasn't a brahmin guy he was dark skinned like i'm very light skinned for you know the indian community um he you know and i i used to do modeling like the, i was the apple of my dad's eye so he just didn't think the guy was good enough and he wasn't i mean in retrospect i do see that that was like you know probably not the right path i should have taken but it was more like i was calling the shots i was very confident i was very happy to do what i was doing so i worked um with the whole situation waited till my parents were okay with it and had this big fat wedding in india and we got married and then you know a couple of years i was um living with them we did like a joint family for some time but i realized that there are a lot of families that have great expectations and they don't let people just be like my house i never felt any pressure on what i was wearing or where i was going or what i was doing like we drank at home um it was never uh, you know oh, this is taboo and you can't right. do this and then i got married and i went into this joint family which i just didn't understand where that came from mm-hmm. like as a daughter in law i was expected to take a shower in the morning and go to the temple and i was like okay this is not something i've ever done <laughs> and so so the guy itself i don't think um like my ex husband i don't think that was the big problem like we didn't fight we didn't we just lived separate lives mm. it was almost like you know being so, roommates kind of thing and n- no big or conflicts or arguments but really no big bonding either oh, so yeah. i think somewhere you know the whole expectation module didn't didn't sit so well in my head so then i focused heavily on my career and then you know sort of got sucked into that okay um and didn't think about this till i met absra nothing was really breaking at that point so i right. just kind of put it in the back burner nobody cared and i was busy working So Absar what about you? I mean in your case you have a orthodox family because you were in the agraharam and everything right? Yeah I did I did but again um even I I got to tell you even my grandmom I think of her as one of the most progressive people she wore the you know what you call the nine yards right the mm-hmm. manisa um and hasn't stepped out of the house and hasn't stepped out of the agraharam but she's one of the most broad minded people you can ever meet right mm-hmm. so again i think that um there was no pressure to get married per se and uh, again like you know jay's family my dad always thought that we've got to be independent in uh, on our own it mm-hmm. doesn't matter girl boy it doesn't matter um he always thought we we've got to make something out of ourselves uh, independently before we get married and all that now of course in my case you know i was not i never like liked anybody it's not as i was in college and i was at this you know what do you call marriageable age and so my uncle actually had his friend's son my ex was my friend's son i mean my uncle's friend's son that he introduced because a guy I was already by that time I was already in the US and um to get my MBA and so my uncle had introduced um his friend son he was going to be in Texas and so he came to meet me and I had already told my parents I'm like listen I don't believe in all this stuff and I'm not going to do this so my dad's like yeah no problem and he said yeah I want to catch up with them go for a you know go for dinner and stuff but otherwise it's totally okay So the guy actually comes to see me and he liked me a lot and I specifically I told him up front I said hey I'm not ready for marriage 
uh, I said, and I'm not any one of the traditional girls you're talking about. I'm not going to cook and clean and all those things. So I said, look, I, but here's the thing. And I had a lot of other friends, you know, who were in that stage where they were. I said, look, I can introduce to you to all these girls <laughs> and you, you should meet them. Right. And then um, but he actually said, hey, listen, I'm, no, thank you for being honest. And this is all great. And then so we shook hands. And then he said, can we be friends? I said, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends and sure, we can be friends. So um, that you know, and then my parents asked and I said, no, I, I told Apama because I ha- had never been in a relationship before. So I had no idea. I just said, they were saying, I said, oh, he's a nice guy. And I said, he reminds me of Anand, my brother, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, Anand, he's a nice guy. That's a-. Little did I think that, you know, I didn't know attraction, chemistry. I mean, this is all like dumb to say. I was in my 20s, early 20s, but I was a, as my friends would say, I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> so I didn't know, <laughs> you know, this attraction and stuff. I had no clue. So I just said, oh, I feel like he's like, Anand, he's a nice guy. And then that's it. My parents said, okay, no problem. They left it. They dropped it. But this guy, my ex, he really liked me. He told me he can be my friends. And he was like calling me, right, as a friend. And But he had told his parents that he really liked me. And then he's going to see if this goes anywhere before he looks at another person again, right? Poor guy. Didn't know what he was getting into. (laughs) So I think he waited for about a year, year and a half, right? Something like that. And it was literally, this sounds dumb to say, but, you know, he said, oh, I would be so happy if I, you know, if you just said some, like somebody like you said yes to me and got married, right? Then, you know, I'm usually somebody who follows my heart. I just do things what I feel. I don't, I don't think logical, right? Logical doesn't suit me. So it was very much like on a whim. I just told him, I said, oh, I feel bad for this guy. You know, I don't, you know, it's not like I have anybody in mind that I'm getting married to. So I said, why not like this? It kind of matched everything, like what my parents would want. Like, oh, you know, he comes from a good family, he's in a good job and nice guy, looks decent, everything. So I said yes, literally to him. I said, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we can get married. And I remember he was shocked. He said, are you saying yes to me? (laughs) I said, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Then that's how the whole, you know, that's how the whole thing um, started. And, you know, unfortunately, like I said, I didn't have, I think I acted bad for him, honestly, because I just was not mature enough to have said yes to him. And he was a nice guy coming into the marriage with all hopes. And I was going in with no knowledge of anything, right? So I think it's only, I think, after we got married that I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy, right? I'm not attracted to this man. So I don't know how to like explain. I don't even know. My parents knew it. And they couldn't understand this guy was a really nice guy. So it was like a bit chaotic after. But until the marriage, there was no pressure. My parents only said, I said, okay, yeah, I'm getting married. That's when they, they never, they kind of dropped the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because of stuff. So yeah, that was it. So once you guys got married, that's when you actually realized that it's not working, right? So then how did it go from, okay, let's get married to like, I think we need to end this. How did, how did that happen? So for me, um, you, you know, for like I got married and, uh, you know, a year or two in, I kind of knew this was, it, like I told you, like there was no big problem. We were not fighting every day and was, right. I was not crying and miserable, but I was just, I would leave home at 5 a.m. Um, and I was in this, I was with Citibank. I was very, it was like the first early days. I was very ambitious. So I would leave at 5, 5.30. I was in the marketing business side. So I would have like things going on from then. Then I would come back home at nine. There would be, um, you know, after work, there would be happy hour. There would be socializing after. All of that would be done. I'd come home at 9, 9.30. There's really no time to think in that kind of schedule. So there were a couple, couple uh, years went by really quick. 
And then I moved to American Express, which is a more work-life balance type company. So I had some time on my hands. So I happened to, um, like this friend of mine said she had tickets to a concert, so we'd gone. And she she brought Apsara along. Apsara was visiting from the US. She was already here for a very long time at that time. And we went to IIT and we you know went for this Sri Lankan band uh, concert. And the concert was horrible. So we went out and had... <laughs> dinner and drinks and you know we got talking and it was just really refreshing to meet somebody who you know questions things and who we 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 were just talking the whole night and then after i met her like we even then i didn't think much of it i knew i was like very interested to talk right we talked and talked and talked for a month i think um and then i knew i was attracted to her and for me like my um you know uh romantic side of life like my first sexual experiences were with a with a woman very early on when i was in eighth grade or something and with a cousin cousin sister of mine i didn't make much of it but i remember like i have very clear vivid um memories of what we did and how i felt and all of it but then after that like when i went on with life like adult years i only um had boyfriends there was no concept of having a girlfriend mm-hmm. i had a lot of friends who were girls but i was never attracted to them so that thought never came back and then when i met apsara like i was really attracted to her we kept talking for a month and i think within a month we were already involved like romantically involved so then i knew my marriage was going nowhere so i i mean we we were i mean she was in india for about 5 months so at the end of the 5 months i knew that the marriage wasn't there was nothing there and it was very evident to me and I, this is just the way i live like it's mm-hmm. i just live what i think and what i feel i don't lie to myself mm-hmm. but in the process i see that i hurt other people like in the periphery there are a lot of people who are collateral damage but i can't live any other way so mm-hmm. i went back and told my ex husband that you know i had to move out she was in the us i was working in india so we didn't know this life would be possible at that time but i moved out I got a one bedroom apartment in Chennai my parents were miserable at that time my dad couldn't understand what happened and it's a small society you know how right, Chennai right. is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I moved out of Ananagar I came to Mylapur to my parents house and then within a month or so I realized like there's so much pressure on my parents because I'm sitting at home and they're all wondering why this girl's here or is she calling a marriage off what happened to her marriage and all those questions so I, de- I didn't want to put that pressure on them so I rented a one bedroom apartment I was working and I would meet you know stop by my home and see my parents every day but I kind of did that and then filed for divorce and uh, the my ex has been like kind of new because we met when when I met Apsara like he was there in like many gatherings and he knew I was attracted to her so he actually asked me I mean he's been a good friend of mine for many years I've known him for a very long time so he asked me actually can you do me a favor and not be with her when you're with me so i said you know i'm moving out and whatever the plans were so then when i moved out i think that ended the marriage at that point I mean, the divorce wasn't finalized but we had filed in court on mutual consent so i'm really thankful that he didn't really give me a hard time mm-hmm. he was a nice enough guy to let it go i mean in his personal life he's quite the like a rowdy profile from the you know chennai mm-hmm. but, but he didn't give me a hard time he arranged the lawyers you know i was uh, out of the loop and i had to just show up in court and sign so that i would say i was just lucky 
because a lot of people i think drag it on and can mm-hmm. give you a hard time and you can't really like in india i don't know if you know but you can't really get a divorce unless it's mutual consent adultery or insanity so it would have been, i would have been stuck if i if i didn't get that divorce but that's sort of my quick snapshot of my marriage and how i ended up and then going on to opsara side like i think um, like our journey together started after that like after i had moved out is when i think uh, you know we started thinking about is this a feasible option to be together so opsara when you met jay were you uh, were you already married at the time yeah i was i was married for many years actually uh, mm-hmm. but the the thing is you know for me um see uh, like i said i mean my ex was a nice guy right but that's kind of where it ended for me right he was a nice person but i clearly understood after the fact right that i was not attracted to this man again i did have other so what happened is because you're not into your spouse you know i ended up being attracted to anything that walked you know and mm-hmm. outside of him you know so it was not a great it wasn't a healthy environment for mm-hmm. me and i didn't realize it so i was attracted to people other people outside of the marriage and so i ended up being more distracted and you know things like that um and then you know i didn't really make much of it and i honestly i, I have to say it wasn't really pressure from my parents but i i do know i stayed in the marriage only because of my parents right because mm-hmm. i felt like i did not want to hurt them you know you had the whole background of a you know you do this it's you know black mark on your family you know you go through all this uh, frankly i think um in, in some ways right this whole india growing up puts a lot of nonsense in your head that's mm-hmm. really not true because people have got to be true to themselves and i think a lot of times we don't do that because we'll say what will they say what will the, this person say so you put a lot of pressure and i did that to myself right and, and it honestly i didn't care about the society i cared about my parents right i did not want to hurt them and so that was my reason where i stayed i should not have stayed for even the time that i did but in the meantime i did have other relationships right outside of the marriage and so not a healthy environment for anybody to be in but you know one thing that i must say is you know um uh, along the way when i went to india when i met jay uh, i actually um I, initially i didn't think much of it you know i knew that my i had a very skewed impression of india because i'd lived away from india for many many years before that and so my impression of india i had this very see and i would go home i ha- i went to a home where i had grandmoms and everything so everything that i knew was just this very typical you know what mm-hmm. my household knew so i didn't know that india had actually progressed much stronger so some of the thoughts in my head was like oh and when i spoke to her i'm thinking oh india india she's she has all these thoughts progressive ideas how is that possible so and jay is thinking what kind of a lunatic is this person right you know because i think like for me my siblings were always abroad and i never wanted to go you know leave india until i met apsra so i i'd always grown up there and this is like we're talking she was in her early 30s i was like late 20s so this is not that far out and then i remember she asked me do you get cordless phones in india yeah and she's thinking who is this <laughs> lunatic who's come to me i genuinely had no idea right i wasn't trying to be a snob or anything but i had like you know every time i would come to india all the time because my parents and my grandparents everything so i would be there all the time but i'm only staying within my my house so um i actually you know so anyway that was kind of funny that she thought i was a lunatic for a little bit right no, not lunatic i was just amused <laughs> she was amused okay so uh i think but i think in a i think in a month i'm a little bit again a, a late bloomer i think jay probably realized earlier that we were attracted before i realized that i was attracted too so but i i don't think we wasted too much time you know i knew that i was attracted to jay 
Um, and I knew that I really, really liked her. So we had the luxury of, I think I was in India at that time for about six months. So it's a good thing that we got attracted almost instantly. And so we had about, you know, five months to kind of just build and grow our relationship in India uh, before I came back to the States. Um, I have to say that I was not super clear, you know, when I left that I actually wanted to make this long term, right? Uh, I was, unlike Jay, who's very black or white, uh, I believe in a lot of shades of gray uh, in the middle. Uh, in fact, I have to say this funny thing. Um, so the day we met that you talked about, right, we went for dinner. We were, uh, we got into this big, I don't even know how we got into whole sexual preferences and all that, right? So we were arguing, debating about it. And I said, hey, listen, there's so much of this thing about, oh, you're gay, you're straight, you're this, you're that. All these terms that people throw, I always believe that. I said, look, at any given time, depending on your situation, you can fall into that shade of gray. You could be, you could be straight, right? And you could be attracted to someone of your own sex, depending on the situation, right? On so this is not what I'm endorsing. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to say this is again shades of gray. It's always got this big spectrum. I mean, if you're straight and you're getting attracted to some other same same sex, then it's called bisexual. But it clearly in Amsara's spectrum, no, it's me. straight and then... Yes, so, my daughter, she will tell you sexuality is a spectrum. So There you go, there you go. See, I was evolved from my time. Yeah, then you don't call it straight then, right? I'm just saying it's a spectrum. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a spectrum. So I remember saying this, hey, listen, in a particular situation, you could be attracted to somebody of your own sex, right? So it, I don't like this, these terms that you put and then you're putting the stamp on people. I never liked it, right? So I was telling her that and our friend here, you know, <laughs> she's telling me, she sat there with a straight face, she'll deny this now, but she told me, she said, listen, she argued with me and she said, listen, I know I'm 100% heterosexual. I could never be attracted to another No, woman. no, I never said that. <laughs> Uh, so what I you, said was, these, what I, did you not say these words? Uh, <laughs> what I said was that I was 100% heterosexual then. I I just met her. So I'm not talking to her about like my prior, uh, you know, escapades with my cousins or like women exposures. But at that point, I, it's like I was in a relationship and I've been in other relationships before with men and I haven't had a bad time. So I would say like for me, if I had to put myself on that spectrum, I would say I'm bisexual. I'm not, um, head, you know, uh, straight or gay or lesbian, right? Like it's it's really about being with the right person. And I think that's true of all relationships. Right. Like if you're right. a straight person and you're in a relationship, a committed long-term relationship, it's not like you're suddenly attracted to every other man in the planet because you're a woman and you're a straight woman, right? And if you're a lesbian, doesn't mean five other women you meet, you're attracted to them. So I think... Where I am today, like with Apsra, is I don't know whether you call it lesbian or straight or gay. It's more like I'm in this committed relationship and I'm happy. Nothing distracts me at this point. And I think that's the endorsement for a, a solid relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's really not about, uh, you know, if a really hot woman comes around, am I going to be running behind her? No. If a hot guy comes around, I'm not running behind. So I don't. You know, it's sort of okay, that but that, just to say, she did say that you know, uh, she did say, "Hey, I'm hundred percent heterosexual. I couldn't be attracted to other women because I wasn't." She wasn't, and she. I told her, I said, "You don't know." I. This is, these are the exact words. I said, "You never know." 
it doesn't mean I was selling a she because she gave me the example of she's she was in modeling right she was a I have to show off a little she was a former Miss Chennai right <laughs> so I said hey listen I've been in modeling circuits and I've met other attractive women and I I don't like you know I've never been attracted so I told her I'm like listen if you're straight and you're not getting attracted to every male that you see right so I said it's going to be that one person right like and so you never know so anyway that was our first night where we argued and here we are so <laughs> <laughs> You're both right in both your way. And when you look at it from your perspective, you're both right, you know, yeah. because it's like, you don't, you don't know. And you don't, well, know. You don't yeah. know what you don't know, honestly. So, yeah. So I think there's just a lot of labels. And honestly, I just think, you know, you've got to understand what makes, as you clearly see, even with us, right? I think Jay thinks d- differently about how we evolved and got here. I think differently. Uh, for me, I've always believed in any aspect, right? There's a lot of gray. I don't believe there's A or B like you know black or white right jay is very much like that but i must tell you that because of her thinking of the way she does right the black or white is why we are here right because my gray would have taken me in many paths right <laughs> any kind of thing goes but i think jay is very clear about what she wants in life and i think actually that's been helpful along the way for us in our relationship right um that she does she has a very clear mind right like hey this or this I don't. I'm like oh what about this and that and i'll <laughs> think about 100 things so i think it's having sort of that Jay's very clear perspective has helped us a lot, I should say. I think it's society, right? Like when we, mm-hmm. when she left after that six months, when she left, I remember like, you know, we were having this big um, theory farewell because she was leaving. We didn't know what was going to happen. I'd already told my um, ex-husband that I was like, that was done. But I remember like, Avsra, you know, we were talking and she gave me three options, right? She said, you know, there are three options that we could choose from. One is that we're together and she brushed that off so quickly. And then, you know, this is just conditioning from society that right? you don't see anybody else. So then mm-hmm. you're the only one thinking that this is an option, right? So option B is that, you know, we do what we did, like meet a few weeks or a few months every year and have the time of our lives and kind of shut out the rest of the uh, world around us and then go back to our respective lives. And then option C is that we call it off and say this like she doesn't exist and we move on. So option A was brushed off. Option C was really not what we were wanting to do. So option B was the only one on the table. So I remember telling her that 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 option doesn't work for me. Like I can't do this and go back and say, oh, husband, come on, let's have a life together. So I was like, it's either this or it's that. Like it's either C or it's A. So I, I think a lot of our society, like in our Indian society, you never, I mean, it's stupid to say that there are no lesbians and gays, right? We all know that's not true, but you never meet them at family gatherings, at school, at weddings, like where do you, where are these people, right? So in the Bollywood circles, you hear of all these people who are having these fantastic gay parties, but it's all under, like behind the scenes, you know, undercover, under wraps. So it's, it's that, right? We are from regular upper middle-class families educated Tamram families. Well, at the time in India, it was illegal too. Yeah, at that time it was illegal. But even if it were legal, like you just never know these people, right? So for us to even think this is how we are going to be in our families, in regular middle-class families, that that wasn't an option. So I think it's a lot of the conditioning. So when we left, when when she left India, like I didn't know what was going to happen. She was married for 12 years to this, um, you know, in this arranged marriage, she hadn't called it off. She knew it was not working for years. 
Um, I mean, I mean, I was black and white, but I was still in India and cross border, like she can't sponsor a visa for me. And, you know, it's all these complications. So we didn't know where it would go, but I knew that that marriage was done. So when I called it off and I moved out, I think it kind of crystallized for Apstra that, hey, that is like, there's nothing in my marriage. Why am I still sitting here? That was, um, so she filed for her divorce here, like a few months after I did in India. And then we started talking about what else we can do to be together. Okay. And so that, that's when you moved to the US, um, Jay? We, we debated, like we debated for a while. I was with City at that time. Um, she was settled in California and San Francisco and she had a, a good job. I had a good job. We thought about, you know, whether we should look at like a neutral place like Singapore or somewhere in Asia, but I could get a, you know, my work wouldn't uh, have to restart. And then we thought about her moving back to India, which was obviously not a favorable option, it was illegal at that time and all these family dramas. So then we said, okay, maybe US, like keep one person's job and one person's life sort of familiar, and then one person move. And I was happy to be the one to move. But the screw up with that was, you know, she couldn't sponsor me under any category. There was no category. Right? Mm -hmm. So then I had to do my GMAT and then get an F1 visa and get a second master's, which I didn't mind. Like my first master's was in management and ma marketing. So my second one is in finance, um, but it was an extra two years spent on that uh, second MBA um, because of the immigration issues. The other thing was, you know, while this whole immigration thing was going on, even though my ex-husband didn't give me much grief, my parents just went to town with it. I was right there in Chennai. Um, it was a disaster. I mean, I have to commend myself that I'm really strong. I could have been in a, you know, mental asylum I think for the amount of nonsense I was now when I think back they sent me to some doctor they would cry all the time it was such a drama so it's hard because I don't think that this is this is not topics that people talk about right I mean it was like all hush hush even now when you think about it in the U.S. comparatively it is much better uh, but in India, only now recently, it's not in illegal anymore. So even for Indian conditioning kind of thinking, you know, it's a huge, I mean, oh my gosh, I can just imagine the drama you guys must have to go through. It must have been painful. It was very painful. I mean, I must tell you that uh, I think that, uh, look, I was shielded from a, a lot of this just because I lived in the States. And for me, it was just about Jay coming here. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, with my ex, right, I did come back. I mean, like Jay said, right, like we did present it. To me, like I said, right, I always like to put all options on the table. I wasn't choosing one or the other when I left. That's where I was coming from. Um, I wasn't sure in my head, right, about where I wanted to go with this whole thing, right? So Jay was pretty clear. She said, hey, my marriage is over and I want to be with you. That's my option, right? That's a real option. I wasn't sure. But I didn't take very long, though. And at the minute I came back to the U.S., I knew that I wanted to be with her, you know, longer term and we wanted to have this life together. So as soon as I knew that, I actually spoke to my ex and I said, hey, I'm going to move out because I like this person and, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Now, he was very upset and he said, hey, is there things can we can do to work it out? And I'm like, no, there isn't really anything. So what are we working out, right? It's not like we have a relationship. So I did move out as well. But for me, it was pretty easy because in the US, right, nobody, you're kind of, a, I want to say, right, nobody cares. I mean, all my friends are like, all I had to tell them is like, hey, I like this person. They're like, oh, great, bring it on. And, you know, that's all it was, right? So um, I moved out. So I don't think I faced any of these things. 
until the next year when I went back to India, you know, for my dad's um, 60th Sashirthapurthi, right? So 60th thing. And I actually told them, I wasn't planning to tell them just that time. I was planning to tell them actually after my, you know, after the ceremony was over, I was going to tell them that trip, right? But as, you know, things would have it, it just, there's no right moment. You know, I, I planned something in my head and the way I told my mom was I just said, I told her before, like the second day or something, my mom was saying, oh, why do you have to keep seeing her all the time? Then I just kind of told my mom, I said, Amma, I want to be with her, right? And my mom didn't have a clue about what I was saying. She said, what do you mean you want to be with her? She has no idea. Obviously, I don't, you know, uh, I, I don't think they even have an idea. So I told her that, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose to, I'm leaving my marriage and I'm going to be with Jay, right, for the rest of my life. Now, the luxury that I think I had was the year that had passed, right? So it was one year later is when I went back. That's the year that Jay also came. So we were apart for a year, right? After we actually got together. Um, in that year, my parents got to know Jay as my friend, right? And so uh, she had an independent relationship with them and they knew her as a really nice person that they had grown to love and care about, right? So I think that helped uh, in their mindset. Didn't help like when we said we wanted to be together, but, you know, at least they knew that she's a nice person, right? So there's something that Jay's parents didn't have the luxury of, right? So I have to say they didn't know who Apsara was. They thought there's this crazy person who's come and taken away their daughter. My parents knew Jay is a nice girl, right? Like, so that at least that part I had. And then when I went back, you know, there was drama at home, right? Where I... They said, oh, everything, right? They said, oh, we are not going to. So this is what happens when you send kids abroad and they, all that, you know, usual, typical America drama. made her a America lesbian. America made me a lesbian. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, no, this is a choice. You try explaining, of course, you know, look, I don't, I understand their perspective. They are not exposed to this. So I think it was hard for them. I can understand every parent. I have expectations of my parent, uh, my children now. And I hope that I am open enough, right? Whatever things they throw at me later on in life but I know that they had expectations and hopes and this is fairly I want to say you know different right from what their you know cohort right their, their friends and family had done so uh, I think they did that but you know the the good thing is all drama and I actually moved out and stayed with her I said I'm going to go stay with her and not here at home so it's very pretty dramatic stuff at home right uh, but I the, the thing is even then they actually um for the Sashi of the Purti, they invited her, they, you know, asked her to come, right? So it was a very small function, actually, it was a very small, it was a very immediate family. And they actually invited her, which I really appreciated, right, a lot from their perspective. And the other thing, too, is after Jay moved here to the US, and, uh, you know, she came for a master's, like I said, we were in New York, I told uh, my parents, I told, uh, I said, look, here's the thing, we are here. I said, why don't you both come, stay with us? Now, if you think there is anything odd, right? I said, buy your tickets for six months and come. Spend time with us, get to know us together. I said, if anything, if you find that there is anything you feel odd, you feel awkward, I said, the next day, book your tickets and go home, right? But just come, give it a shot. My dad actually said, again, talking about, you know, being broad-minded, he actually said, yeah, we're going to come. So he actually came here and they spent six months and we had a fantastic time, Right. They knew that, you know, us together as a couple, you know, we are just like any other couple, right? We have our own set of like, you know, we have our, you know, great moments, we have our fights, we have our arguments, you know, there's a lot of that, right? So they realized that it's very similar and they felt very comfortable, right? I mean, I think to the extent that they are super, super comfortable in my house more than anywhere else, right? So if ever they say, hey, you know, we want to leave our house and stay with one of the kids, it'll probably be, you know, my house, right? Because they have the freedom to do whatever they want and stuff. So I think that, to, that's kind of where they are. 
um yeah so i think it's they've come a long way right so yeah. no that's that's awesome i mean for your parents to be so open about it but i think at the end of the day any parent they just want to make sure that their kids are happy right yeah. um after some time it's like screw the society because they're not helping with anything anyway yeah. this yeah. way at least if your children are happy so that's good so jay were your parents okay after a bit so my mom was always fine like my mom grew up in a very different like way back when like she grew up in a very open society so she didn't really have any hang ups she knew it's going to be really hard because she knows my dad's side of the family and how conservative they can be so you know we traveled a lot and we drank and we eat meat and all of these things which are taboo items in for our um, you know caste and community but when it came to this like my dad just took forever he just did not understand he didn't he didn't like her he didn't talk about her he was in denial for 8 years he just, so i would i mean i would visit chennai and they just pretended that i came here on an education i bought a house like you know i wasn't even earning that much to buy a house at that time but they sort of were in, my dad was in complete denial but he could tell i think like you said parents just want to see their kids happy so he could tell that i was settled he could tell that i was in a happy place but he just didn't get over his own hang ups then i remember like when her parents came like her parents made multiple trips the first trip they came they were very happy then they came back again and the next trip when they came they her dad was actually um the first person to actually tell her like he sat us down and he said if you guys i mean you seem very well settled we bought a house we were both working and he they had never seen apsra that engaged in her own household and that was the first time she was like keeping home for somebody and being happy in that space like her own little thing so i think he could see that change and that stability in her life and he actually sat us down and said if you guys think that you would like to have kids i mean she's the older of the two of us so i think he was you know telling her move for his daughter right to say that if you want to have kids don't let society stop you science can do a lot so explore and be i mean honestly i never wanted kids so that was never a thought in my head even way back when i mean i thought i'll adopt or something but i just never wanted to have kids but i think that put the seeds in apsra's head and she always wanted to have kids but it was just just never the right person or the right time um and then we started exploring you know what we could do so we did the ivf route but the seeds of that was really uh, the thought came from her dad initially and then we thought hey you know because you know that's i think another layer mm. when you think about society when you think about like same sex relationships you might still find people who are in same sex relationships but even here the number of people who actually take their family structures to that one extra level and have kids because with kids a lot of things come right now you have to publicly acknowledge what's going on in your household you're not two friends you're not two roommates for like you know somebody who lives three blocks over and who walks past your house every day now you have to acknowledge what's going on in your household and you know schools and their activities and their random people's parents that you know you would meet you have to introduce this concept to so many people so i think that a lot of people shy away from i'm glad we did i think we're making our mark in society and changing mm-hmm. the way people think in a small way but even we don't know too many i mean we know a handful of people like um, you know gay lesbian friends who have kids but it's so much smaller than like the straight families oh. so when she got pregnant 
Like it was my eggs and, you know, we did the IVF and she carried them. When she got pregnant, my sister called my dad and she said, look, they're going to have kids no matter what you do or where you are in your thinking and acceptance. But if you don't acknowledge it, you don't have grandkids. They're still having the kids. So then (laughs) she was, uh, what, eight months, seven months pregnant? They got on a plane and came right away <laughs> for three weeks to experiment and see what, what it would be. That's awesome. I, I think, you know, with kids, um, you know, I, I think you have a sense of responsibility even more than yourself because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. need to normalize this, right? Because the reality is, look, you're no different. Your family is no lesser, no better, no bigger, not smaller. You are another family, right? Um, trying to do the best for your kids, right? And with that, what that means is I, I will never want my children to think that they are lesser than any other, you know, uh, family, right? And I, knock on wood, I do think that our kids are there, right? I think, um, you know, they they truly think that, uh, you know, that, hey, you know, we, our family is so great. You know, if you ask them, uh, they will tell you, oh, you know, we have, oh, mom's day, we have like mother's day, we have two moms that we have to do this for. And so they think it's a very lucky thing. They think, uh, so that's where they are today. They've never, till date, they've never questioned and say, hey, how come I don't have a dad and why I want it? They've never kind of come back and said that knock on wood till date, they're only 10. But I think that's a testament, right, to something. And I do think you have a bigger responsibility when you bring children into this world that, you know, you don't make them feel lesser than anything else. And, um, and, and you are giving them that life, right. That, uh, that, you know, that the best life possible. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I would say. Right? Um, so what, what are some of the harder questions? Have your kids gotten to that stage yet where they've asked you questions where you both, you've looked at each other and like, uh, what do we tell them now? Or they ha- they're still kind of young and still kind of working through that. They, I mean, they're still pretty young, but I want to say like we've, we're pretty transparent with, you know, our life uh, so far. We've always presented it to them um, that, you know, they, they have two moms and there's various different family structures, right? Because today in society, like in America, I, I, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure how it is in India, but here you have different family structures anyway. There's people who are getting separated. There's people who are divorced and married again. So they have step-siblings. There's single moms. There's single dads. There's so many different things. So in all of that, just to give a good household where two, two like the parents are together and living one family life, I think that itself is way more stable, like the life my kids have. Mm-hmm. We're in San Francisco. So, you know, maybe it's like too um, cocky to say it, but it's it's not anything different for them like they have good households they, and and honest to god it's not different in a good or a bad way it's just the same struggles we're both working parents you know we have crazy jobs she's a managing director i'm a director we have very demanding timelines we have two kids who have extremely opposed uh, opposite points of view on everything interests food habits everything so to keep it all together, it's the same struggle that any other straight couple or anybody else does. I really don't know how single parents do it because it's just too much work, you know. I agree. I, <laughs> I agree. Um, I had just one last question. You guys have to be so proud of your journey. I mean, I'm it's so inspirational for so many because it's not an easy 
uh, journey. And the fact that you guys just, you know, followed your heart and decided that this is how you were going to live your life, you know, speak your truth and live that way itself is very inspirational to a lot. So for all those others who are out there, you know, who are marginalized and are afraid to speak up or just do that, what would, what advice would you give them? So I can, um, you know, I can tell you one thing is just be true to who you are um, and just be truthful because in that process, not only are you happy, you are actually eventually going to make everybody around you happy, right? You may not see it straight away, right? But if you're unhappy, that unhappiness actually permeates throughout, right? I can tell you as personally, the fact that I was married and I stayed married because I didn't want my folks to be upset and things like that, right? That was not a happy situation for me. They were not happy either, right? Um, I made the choice and I made the choice to actually come out and tell them the truth. Um, We did have some time of like struggles for a bit, but eventually, uh, you know, the families come around. I mean, Jay talked about her dad and he was one of the last in our combined families that came around. But I can tell you that after he did come around, I can't tell you what a proud granddad he is, right, of my sons and um, and how close I got to him, right? I mean, if I can say that who I'm closest to in Jay's family, believe it or not, it's her father. To me, he was like a father, another father. I'm super close to him. I mean, he's no more, so we miss him. But, uh, you know, he was the closest to me in many ways, right? I felt so, so, so close to him. And he came along, you know, um, Uh, along with us in the journey right so just be true to yourself uh do what you need to do families will come around the people who love you will come around the people who don't were not meant to be in your life anyways you need to let go of that right if ever that happens and people are shunning you for your choices you're making hey they weren't they don't need to be in your life really (laughs) so that's all that's my only advice just be true to yourself now i completely agree with that i think like honesty doesn't it seems hard And I don't want to, I think, you know, some parts of it may sound like, you know, we're in a very happy space now. And, you know, these are anecdotal 20, 15, 20 years ago stories that we're saying. So it may not show, showcase the, the pain and the nuisance it was at that time. So for people who are going through this now, I would definitely say, don't give up because you will not make yourself happy. And if you're not happy, there's just no happiness you're spreading around. And if you need partners to sort of um, hold your hand while you go through that journey, find those people. Like I'm happy, you know, after people listen to it, if they need support and people want to chat or, you know, talk, voice their concerns, I'm happy if you can share my email, like we can connect and, you know, help people through. But it seems really, really hard at that time, but nothing is impossible you will find that love, you will find that uh, truth, and you will find that family that supports you. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Jay and Apsara. I really appreciated taking the time. This is a this is a tough one for me too, because I had to be okay with uh, allowing me to allow you to share your story, you know, because I know how that personal it is, and hard it is. So thank you so much. Yeah, the more people that share the stories, the sooner we get to where yes. we should be. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. No, thanks. thanks for sharing this, Malini. I think this, um, ho- hopefully if it changes one life, you know, two lives, I mean, I think this, I, th- I feel really thankful that you gave us the opportunity to share our story and make a difference, right, to many people, hopefully. 
Yep. That, I mean, that's the whole, my whole mission is any one of my stories, if it changes even one person's life, I feel like I've done a great job. So your story is truly inspirational. So I really do thank you for the time that you've taken to share it. So happy to be there. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.